This is the SPM Show, episode number 226. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is the podcast where we talk about what's happening in the restaurant, local business world with marketing. We bring on special guests to join me on the podcast and talk about what's working for them so we can share that with you listening right now in your earballs, wherever you're listening to this, whether you're at work or the gym or driving in the car. We produce the show every single week. I am your host, Bruce Irving. You can find me over on Instagram at Smart Pizza Marketing or the Bruce Irving new Instagram account. Going to be showing you a little bit more behind the scenes and talking a little bit more local business, not necessarily pizza specific over on that account. Again, that is the Bruce Irving, T-H-E Bruce Irving. It's the only one I could find with my name. A lot of Bruce Irvings out there, but I got that one. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited for today's show. I think this is going to be a good show for you. Aton Sugarman, a restaurant tour in New York City. I know we've been having a lot of New York City folks on the show, but I was just there and there's a lot of great restaurateurs doing some really cool things in our industry. So I want to have them on the show, chat about what they're doing, and share that with you on this here podcast. Uh, Made in New York City is the pizza restaurant that Aton is the co-founder of, partnered up, investor in that restaurant. He also owns a few other restaurants, which we get into in New York City. But this one is the one that's probably going to be most specific to you. If we talk about how he got started, there's a couple locations, the growth plan for Made in New York City. A little controversy that they had with their, the opening of Made in New York City. They actually took somebody from a different pizzeria. Uh, somebody that actually worked in a different pizzeria for a long time, left that pizzeria, and then opened this new one with Aton. And we get into the whole controversy that happened with that. We also touch on how Dave Portnoy uh, reviewed them right off the bat in the beginning and what happened after that. And some marketing details as well. So I think this one's going to be a pretty good episode for you. But before I get into the show, I have to say thank you to our sponsors. Listen, I know that nobody really wants to hear sponsors on the podcast and it's not product related, but I only bring sponsors on that I really believe in and I think that I can help you. And it's how we keep the show going. So our first sponsor is Fort Zafoni. Obviously, if you're into it, if you're in the need of a wood-fired oven or a mobile unit or any type of oven, Fort Zafoni is our go-to resource for that. If you've been to the Pizza Expo, they had a great booth, Anthony Mangieri, Anthony Falco, Frank Pinello from the Pizza Show. All suggest you check out Forza Forney. Their website is ForzaForney.com. You can find them on Instagram at Forza Forney. And I have to say, not only do they have great products with the ovens that they have, but they're great guys and they do really great customer service. So many people that I've had on the podcast have used Forza Forney. And also those guys that I mentioned previously that have also been on the podcast, by the way, uh, use Forza Forney ovens and they swear by them. Frank Pinello from the Pizza Show says, listen, it's the only oven that I'm going to suggest anybody ever use. So if those guys can get behind it, so can I. So go check out ForzaForney.com or follow them on Instagram at ForzaForney and send them a direct message to be like, listen, hey, I heard of you on the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. That would help me out a ton. And also, if you're in the if you're in the market for a point of sale system for your restaurant, Square for Restaurants is a new point of sale system from Square built to help you speed up your pizza restaurant operations and run faster. It's built for the front of the house the back of the house, and peace of mind. This one's a pretty cool system. And I get this question quite often about a point-of-sale system that's inexpensive and easy to use. And I think that if you're in the market for an inexpensive point-of-sale system, one that can help you with the floor plan, custom menus, uh, auto 86ing, and also give you the in-depth sales reporting that you need, including shift reports, what's selling, what's not selling, when the busiest time is, when's not the busiest time, in very easy order entry, then you should definitely check out Square for restaurants. You can just go to squareup.com for more information on that. And again, 
Let them know you heard them on the SPM show right here from Bruce. That is me talking to you. Okay. Uh, stick around for the end of this episode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking about some webinars that we're going to be doing over on Facebook. One we just recently did. I was actually at Social Media Marketing World 2019, which was an amazing conference. Very, very well professionally done. Very well organized. And some of the most amazing speakers that you're ever going to see talk about marketing on specific topics or at this event. So if you can go next year, it's in sunny San Diego too. So, I mean, I'm from Boston and the weather here was rainy and cold and I went to San Diego for three days and it was 65, 70 degrees and it was just amazing. So if you can get out there, I suggest you go. But I did it, uh, my my session was on local business marketing and how local businesses can use social media and what's working today. So I did a webinar just last week, if you're listening to this when it comes out, on Facebook. You can go over to our Facebook page and search at Smart Pizza Marketing. You can probably find that webinar. But I'm going to be doing these weekly webinars, or maybe not weekly, but definitely bi-weekly about certain topics. What's working now? How to take good photos on Instagram. Personal branding and why that's important for your restaurant or pizzeria. And so many other topics. So go check them out over on our Facebook page and subscribe or hit the like button over there and set up the reminders. So that way when we do post these, you get some reminders. Okay, that's it for me, guys. Let's get into this episode with Aton Sugarman from Made in New York City Pizza. Hey, guys, welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. I'm excited for my guest today. His name is Aton Sugarman, and he's known for the owner, being the owner of such restaurants as the Hunt and Fish Club, Southern Hospitality, and the recently opened Made in New York Pizza, which I just visited not too long ago. Uh, welcome to the show, Aton. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, buddy. I always love to start the show by hearing people's stories of how they got into their hospitality restaurant space. So let's hear yours. How did it all begin for you? Oh, wow. Uh, well, this one goes way back. I I, I started, I, I had no background uh, from in terms of being like my family. My father was a teacher. There's nobody in my family that was in the industry. Uh, somewhere I always felt a passion for it. Uh, when I was 17 years old, uh, I was a little young, but there was a bar in my neighborhood called PNG Cafe. <laughs> I was very friendly with a the family there that owned it. Uh, There's a guy named Steve, who's one of my best friends. Uh, his father owned a bar, and uh, they would let me come in and hang out there. And I actually started bartending there when I was 18. Uh, Steve taught me how to bartend. His father kind of taught me how to bartend. And that was my beginning of being in the industry. Uh, I dropped out of high school when, when I was 16. So, uh, you know, bartending at 18 was the great this feeling in the world. I mean, you felt like an adult and you felt, you know, you had, you know, girls talking to you and grownups showing you respect. And, you know, you didn't feel like a little kid. You felt like, you know, the big guy behind the bar. And uh, that was the beginning of my love affair for, uh, for the hardest industry in the world. Yeah. And that's, that's where it started. It, uh, I didn't, I didn't get further into, it. I didn't own my own place for several years after that, but that was, that was my beginning. That's crazy. And plus when you're a bartender, you make, you know, when you're 18 and you're a bartender, you probably feel like you were making tons of money. You know what? The funny thing was I actually, I had my own business at the time. I was like selling baseball cards and sports memorabilia and I was actually doing pretty well. I, I would have done it for free. I loved it so much, but yeah, I was making like two, 300 a night. And yeah, I, it was, it was really a great time. It was, it was a great feeling and a great time. And I would have worked seven days a week if I could have, and I would show up two, three hours early for work and, and by the way, bartending then was a lot harder than it is now. You know, like now I always tell the people that work for me and I sound like one of those crotchety old men, like, you know, <laughs> I didn't have like bussers and runners. Like I would show up there. I'd have to show up 
by the way, we, there was no shift pay or anything like that. Our tips is what we got. There was no hourly. There was no anything. I'd show up two hours early. I'd have to break the bar down. I'd have to bring up the ice. I'd have to clean up the bottles. I'd have to make the bank. I'd have to cut the fruit. I'd have to do everything. There was no busser. There was no runner. I'd bring the drinks to the table. I would bounce out the drunk guys. I, you know, like we would, we would do it all. You know, we'd do everything. And by the way, I, I loved every minute that I did it. Um, but that was my beginning of being in the industry. And uh, I absolutely loved it. You yep. know, it's, it's, it was the beginning of, uh, of you know, uh, an unhealthy relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Those young guys, they think they have it so easy. I mean, they think they have it so hard, rather, not easy. You know, man, I, I listen. It's, it's like I said, I feel like I sound like one of those crotchety old men that talks about how they used to shovel snow and everything. <laughs> like when people sit there and complain now and these waiters and waitresses and they have like bussers and runners. And this is a thing of the last 20 years, the whole bus boy and runners. And all. Like this is a recent development. Like people used to bust their own tables and bring their own dishes back to the kitchen and things like that. Like this whole thing is a, is a relatively recent thing. It did not exist uh, in my bar back in the day. Like we used to do it all. Um, so yeah, it was harder. I mean, in, you know, on the other hand, we used to make more. I mean, all the tips would come, you know, hundred percent to us, but you know, like I said, that was the beginning. That was my first step in the industry. I'm always grateful to, uh, to that bar. It's great New York bar. Uh, you could see it in a bunch of movies, like in Donnie Brasco and stuff. I was on 73rd street in Amsterdam. It doesn't exist anymore. My buddy, Steve taught me to bartend there. Uh, it was a great, great time in my life. And, uh, it, I, it kind of solidified in my head that somewhere I wanted to be in that industry. So what happened between then and the time you opened? What did you do in the meantime? You know, after that, I, you know, I kind of spent several more years in, in that business in the memorabilia marketing business. I did pretty well. Uh, if you remember, like that was the time that, you know, like the whole, you know, like the, the tech stocks and all that kind of stuff were booming. I had, I had a little bit of good luck with that. Uh, I thought I was a lot smarter than I was. I had a little streak of good luck with it. Uh, I used to, go to this nightclub uh, that, you know, it was a pretty big club at the time. I got pretty friendly with the owner. Uh, he let me invest in it. Uh, we actually, the, the guy who owned the club, he and I developed a really great relationship. Uh, I think I was a pretty good partner. I think I used to bring some pretty good people over there. We increased the revenues dramatically in under a year. The other partners didn't seem very appreciative of the work we did. We ended up selling our share to them. We opened up our own club, just the two of us, called Suede on West 23rd Street. I brought in a pretty big music producer, a guy named Timbaland. He was he was our partner. It was a People magazine voted it the hottest club in New York for that year, uh, 2002. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we had a great, uh, great five-year run. Then I opened up Southern Hospitality uh, after that. Uh, we also opened up an Italian restaurant called Destino. I only did that a couple of years. I sold that out to my partners. Uh, that was the beginning of getting into food, which was a very different animal than nightclubs. Um, then I opened up Southern Hospitality, the first branch of Southern Hospitality. I opened up the second branch, uh, four years later, which is the one, the current one's there now, uh, 45th and 9th. And then I opened up, uh, my steakhouse, the Hunt and Fish Club four years ago uh on 44th street and then most recently we opened this pizzeria uh, uh this past november so it's been been a wild ride that's crazy so why what made you want to open a pizzeria i know that's like you know, we do a pizza show so a lot of the listeners are in the pizza industry after owning those other kinds or styles of restaurant and being in nightclub like what made what drew you to open a pizzeria you know a lot of things to tell you the truth um you know my old uh you know like on instagram you write a little something about yourself Prior to having to write all these different, you know, uh, Instagram addresses of all my places, 
what I used to write is lover of life and pizza, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> uh, pizza is my absolute go-to guilty pleasure. It's uh, I've, I've been passionate about it as a food, as a guy I enjoys cooking it. Certainly a guy who enjoys eating it, you know, for all, for all my life. Uh, my partner, he and his brother had uh, a chain of pizzerias around the city called Little Italy Pizza. Uh, the two of them ended up kind of going their separate ways. This was my old partner in my old nightclub as well, too. So the timing of it kind of worked out. And to be really honest with you, it's become very difficult uh, having, you know, full service restaurants in New York. The, the minimum wage, I'm sure you know, has gone through the roof. You know, the rents in New York are through the roof. Uh, the cost, you know, the cost of the product itself, it's just and the tide has risen so heavily against us. And to be really honest, I feel like we have a government that, for whatever reason, demonizes our industry. I, I don't understand why. I think we have the most destructive mayor and governor of my lifetime for our industry. And if you walk through New York, there's more empty storefronts than I've ever seen in my life. It almost feels like a depression. There's more homeless than I've seen since I was a kid. And I grew up in New York when New York was a badass place, man. You know, when, when guys were getting shot on the street and mugged on the street and drugs were everywhere and trash was everywhere. And it looked the way it looked in French Connection. You know, I grew up in those days. <laughs> you know, like all the great work that, that mayors like Bloomberg did is being undone by these guys. And it's really, really sad. And so the truth is, uh, I still wanted to be in the food industry. I still wanted to, you know, be in, in the service industry. But the idea of jumping into fast casual and trying something different and Furthermore, trying pizza, which is one of my favorite foods, just, sound, just sounded really appealing. So my partner and I decided to do this. Uh, we, it just so happened we met this guy who used to work at Prince Street Pizza, which is one of you know, the really uh, revered pizzerias in the city. Yeah. And the timing just worked out. We all decided to do this together. We opened up the place uh, in November, and it's been a really big hit. You have two places now, right? Two pizzerias? Yeah. yeah, we opened the second one right next to my southern restaurant on 45th and 9th. So how you open two rest two two of them pretty quick, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, the timing of it just it, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, we opened up within a couple of months of each other. That's crazy. I think somebody reached out to me on Instagram and yeah. said, "Hey, you got to check out this new place that just opened in New York, and it was your pizzeria made in New York." That was a couple months ago, and mm -hmm. uh, I was just recently in New York on a visit, and I, I just happened to be driving to. I was taking my kids to the Natural History Museum. I know that sounds funny, but we were going to the Natural History Museum just for a visit. And your place, your place is right down the street. Yeah, man, it's one of the great museums in America. It is. It's amazing. You know, my kids are into that right now. They're like in high school, so they they wanted to visit that. And I'm like, you know what? We're taking a break at lunch. We're walking down to Made in New York. I always wanted to try this place out since I heard about it. And uh, your pizza is really good. I had to say, you have really good pizza, and the and the guys in there were super nice, super friendly, and uh, it was busy. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate. It. You know, we we opened up. It's funny. We opened up in the old neighbor that I grew up in. Uh, the Upper West Side. Uh, it's, it's a really great family neighborhood. Um, they've really supported us. Uh, we're really lucky, man. We 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 got busy right off the bat. Uh, you know, we had a little little bit of media and a little bit of controversy, which you may or may not know about, which uh, kind of contributed uh, contributed a little bit to uh, to people's interest. Um, but you know, I think people enjoy the product. Thank God. I, I think they they like it. I think the neighborhood is really embraced us and uh you know we're lucky we're doing really well and it's 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 been a lot of fun and dave portnoy didn't dave portnoy do a review of you guys too yeah yeah dave came dave came or like our fourth third or fourth week came really early again you know as a result of uh of, of the controversial media you know um 
and he gave us uh, he gave us a 7.9 on a regular slice. I think we should have gotten more, but I'll take it. And he gave us an 8.3 on our famous spicy pepperoni square. Which is what I had when I was there. I had both. Actually, my kids had the plain cheese, but I had to get the spicy pepperoni when I was there, and that was pretty good. So I'm glad you liked it, buddy. I'm yeah. Like I eat a lot of pizza, too. So it's not too often, though, that I get to – so I get to talk to, obviously, a lot of people who are in the pizza industry on the show – but it's, it's not too often that I get to talk to them after I visited their pizzeria. Because a lot of them, I just don't travel in those areas. I mean, I travel a lot. But I don't necessarily yeah. travel all around the country going to, like, Idaho or uh, Iowa. You know, I'm not not often in those areas. And that's sometimes where the people are on the show. So I was excited to be able to go visit your place first and then have you on the show after. Well, thanks. But I'm really glad you did. I mean, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad, I'm glad your family did. I'm, I really, listen, I love the people. People are enjoying it so much. And I like that. The product standing out you know it's like i said this whole controversy thing i i wish i wish hadn't happened and you know it's it started out as a funny thing and now it's it's more annoying than anything else is it how familiar you are with it i've heard of it is it still going on i didn't know how much you want to get into that no i'm happy to i'm i'm, I'm happy to uh so you know it, yeah people still mention it i mean so based so essentially the guy my pizzola that works for us used to work at prince street pizza uh when we opened uh, Eater ran an article and they called, you know, that the guy that owns Southern Hospitality and the guy that owns Hunt and Fish Club is opening a pizzeria with this guy. And they called him for a comment. And he said that he stole his recipes and he's pursuing a lawsuit and the whole bit. Within an hour or two of that, there were news cameras all around my restaurant. And my publicist calls says, listen, you're going to have to respond. I says, I don't want to get into anything negative. I'm sorry the guy feels this way. Um, I dispute what he's saying. My guy assures me he created these recipes. I believe him implicitly. Uh, and, you know, the Supreme Court is mandated. There is no such thing as intellectual property on recipes. That, that doesn't exist. And even if it did, then my guy would own it because he, he created these. Um, but my publicist says, listen, you're, you're going to have to respond to this. So I did respond. And I'm, I was as respectful as I could be. And what I said, I meant, I think Prince Street is a great brand. I'm sorry that they feel this way. Uh, having said that, they don't own pepperoni pizza. They have no right to demand that people don't make it the same way. And by the way, 50 other places in New York make a similar style, you know, spicy pepperoni square. Right. So really ridiculous. Uh, and it, it's a crazy thing because we literally did about double the business the following week as a result of all the media. I was on seven news shows in one night. Wow. And, you know, while this guy went on the attack, I was as respect, you know, if you, you, know, you go on YouTube, you could see these videos. I was as respectful as I could be. And I'll continue to be. I have nothing bad to say about them. I'm sorry they feel that way. I completely disagree with his premise. I think, you know, chefs are allowed to leave, you know. And by the way, I did not steal him from them. He had already left that company. They had parted ways, at which point he contacted my partner. My partner mentioned it to me. I did not poach him from them. So that part of the story just is not is not so. Um, having said that, even if he had, people are allowed to do that, man. You know, it's just, that's, that's business. Uh, I, I wish, like I said, I, I wish there were no bad feelings here. I certainly have a lot of respect for what that family has done and for that brand. I think there's enough room for all of us to sell pepperoni pizza and prosper and be happy. Yeah, so. I, I totally agree with you. And listen, I don't know, I don't know Prince Street Pizza, so I don't know the, uh, his side of the story. But what I do know from being in the industry and talking to a lot of people in the industry and just being a part of, like, deep in the pizza industry in our country for the last five years, I know that there's the one thing that I do know is there's no secret recipe, right? Everybody kind of uses the same products. Everybody kind of uses the same flour. Everybody shares recipes and teaches each other. Like, we've had a couple consultants come on the show. 
Anthony Falco, one of them. Anthony Falco's yeah. helped, you know, 50 different pizzerias in New York come up with their recipe. Yeah, I'm just learning about him. He uh, he just collaborated on that upside pizza place, am I right? Yeah, and when, I think Slice Nuts Sauce Pizzeria, too, as well. Man, that place is awesome. Yeah, so he he's come on here, and he shared his recipe. Like, you go to the Pizza Expo, which is happening next week in Las Vegas, yeah, and, yeah. you know, all those guys in there are just sharing and collaborating, right? Everybody's trying to make each other better. And I was in New York. And I've never, there's more pizzerias in New York, in Manhattan, than there is all of Massachusetts. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of competition. Like, everybody's trying to do their thing. You know, I've never met Falco. I see his, his posts and stuff like that. I've I've never met him. I saw that, uh, that he helped that upside place. Uh, Portnoy was there also, did not give it the best review. I got to tell you, it looked great to me. Um, I didn't see that Portnoy review. Yeah, he gave him, I think he gave him like a 6.4. I Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. Um, and the pizza really looked great. They really look great. Um, man, he's gotten he's gotten so powerful, that that show and that little review of his. God, it's so, it's it's funny. It became, it started off as this funny thing, and it's it's taken so seriously now. It is. Know? There was a guy who was on this show, Goodfellas Pizza out of, I think they're out of Indiana. Yeah. And I had him on the show a year ago, two years ago even maybe. And Dave went to one of his restaurants. Did you see that? And he gave him a, he was doing yeah. a reviewer outside the door and the guy's manager came out and is like, do you have permission to record here? And Dave's like, what do you mean permission? We're just doing a review. And he's like, the manager kind of kicked him off and Dave gave it like a zero. And the next day they had like a thousand zero reviews on Yelp. Listen, man, it's, by the way, I like Dave and I like his show. Um, I think he should have given me <laughs> a higher score, <laughs> yeah. but I, I like him. I like his show I, and I think he does a great job. Um, and he made it clear on his show. He goes, listen, I, you know, because Prince Street has this picture on the wall and he goes, I want to give these guys a bad review. And he, and he said, he goes like, you know, by the way, I got a curse here. He's like, it's pretty fucking good. It's pretty, yeah. you know, in that. Uh, and listen, 7.9 is, is a very respectable score and 8.3 on the, on the spicy is, is pretty damn good. But uh, and you just open though. So you got to give yourself a little, cut yourself a little slack there. Yeah, like I said, I think I deserve better, but uh, I'll certainly you know, <laughs> take it. Um, but yeah, he 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 kind of hit upside a little bit. Uh, I I don't know. I thought upside looks like they're doing a good job, and you know you know Falco certainly uh, you know seems to be a guy that uh, that does some damn good work. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about. He does the naturally living dough. He definitely mm-hmm. knows what he's talking about when it comes to like baking pizza for sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what seems- what's the difference? What do you think the so what do you is there anything that surprised you about opening these two pizzerias? Like, is there like something that you were expecting that didn't happen or something that happened? You're like, wow, I wasn't really looking at, I didn't expect that to happen. I have to only sit down in restaurants for so long. You know, I'll be honest. I didn't expect to be so busy so fast, which is a very pleasant, uh, very pleasant surprise. I mean, I, I thought it would be a building process. I knew it was going to be kind of like a neighborhood business. Uh, and, you know, certainly, like I said, the, the media thing helped. But I'll be honest, we were, we were busy prior to that. I don't want people thinking that, you know, we were this slow place and all of a sudden this this thing happened. <clears throat> we were we were very busy prior to that. Um, I got to tell you, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the whole process. It's uh, it's a very different model than my other businesses. It's, you know, it's a lot less in the way of labor, um, you know, less ingredients, less, you know, and it's... Uh, it's a product that I'm in love with, man. You know, I'm a, I'm a pizza guy. You know, my only challenge is to not eat it every day. <laughs> I hear you on that one. What did you do in the beginning? So you said you opened, you were real busy. How did, how did you, how, 
How did you get the word out there in the beginning? Were you using social media before you opened? We, I mean, no, we, we did it when we started about a week and a half after we opened. No, I, I would love to sit here and tell you, you know, that we're geniuses and we have some great formula. I want to. It's just not true. Like, I think we just <clears throat> we picked a neighborhood that this product really works for. I think we picked a very family friendly neighborhood that that eats out and orders out. And um, and I think they really like the product. I, th- I just think, honestly, and I don't mean to sound, uh, you know, uh, immodest. Uh, I think we have a good slice. I think people enjoy it. I think the, the pepperoni slice is very unique. I think we have a great white square. I think, you know, we know we 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 really source you know, great stuff. And, uh, I think people recognize it and, uh, you know, we're moderately priced and I think we give the people what they want. Do you, do you do delivery out of there or is it just takeout and dine in? No, we started, we started the second month. And do you have your own delivery drivers? Uh, yeah, we have guys on bikes and we use caviar too. Okay. How do you like using caviar? They're great. They're great. I mean, listen, I'd I'd rather not pay the fee, but but they're great. They do a great job, you know? Do you use caviar as a way to take online orders or do you use caviar because they bring you customers that you don't norm- you wouldn't normally get? Both. They, I think they also bring you business that you wouldn't normally get. And I yeah. think they do provide exposure. But, you know, it's at a fee. You know, I mean, they, they take a nice, healthy piece. So does Postmates, you know? Yeah. It's all like that. Like the third party thing in our business is it's and it's spreading to other restaurants, right? Like before, well, probably, you know, 20 years ago. When you thought of delivery, all you really thought of was pizza or Chinese food. Now yeah. you can get anything delivered. You can get a coffee from Starbucks delivered if you're willing to pay for it. Yeah, which is going to make the market competitive. What do you What do you think about that? What do you think the market's going? What do you think this industry's going? You know, it's you know it's an interesting thing. Uh, what started about two or three years ago, if you noticed, were were like virtual restaurants. Like yeah. David David Chang started these this virtual restaurant with no brick and mortar that existed you know, exclusively uh, for online delivery and they had no brick and mortar. No, and it was, you know, to combat the heavy cost associated with, you know, waiters, waitresses, busters, runners, et cetera, et cetera. He didn't make that model work, but it's an interesting premise, you know, um, and it's part of kind of what pushed me to, to try a fast casual model because, you know, it's, it's so difficult, man. I mean, you see so many really good restaurants with great products go under just because, you know, the, the, cost associated with with operating is so prohibitive it's so prohibitive you have to do so much volume and operate so tight just to survive leave alone make any money god forbid i'm talking just to survive you know i mean you see, every year you're seeing michelin star restaurants go under and, and that just shouldn't happen bro yeah it shouldn't happen that people do that good of a job and can't survive because of you know the, the forces that that they can't control it just shouldn't be you know yeah i'm fascinated with that whole uh, we, there was a, I think there was a couple in London. Like London, uh, I talked to somebody when I first started the podcast who was doing that in London, and it, and it was like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Yeah, I don't have a storefront. We just take orders online. We have a kitchen, and that's it. We just deliver the food. They call us, and we deliver it." I'm like, "Wow, that's crazy!" Like I never, it was mind-boggling to me at the time. But now, after everything that's happened over the last four or five years, you're like you know what? Maybe that is a good strategy. Maybe you don't need to do any uh, dine-in or have waitresses or wait staff or the less you know, the better. I don't, know, I don't know who's who's really, who's succeeded with it yet. I don't think Chang did, but I think he, he certainly innovated uh, something with the idea itself. Um, I'm not sure I'd be ready to try something like that yet, but I mean, certainly less laborious models. Um, you know, the, the really sad thing is, the sad thing is 
what these politicians aren't understanding is what they're forcing guys like me to do is, you know, they're not really investigating. They're not really doing any research about what they're doing. And I'm not saying for a moment that the minimum wage shouldn't be raised, but no industry in the world can afford to have it doubled in three years. Like you have to give the business a chance to grow. You have to give it a chance to breathe and to grow with it. No business can survive that, none. And all it's making us do is not just, I mean, it's, it's making us cut jobs. Like we we're just to, we go into survival mode and we're essentially saying, okay, so now people are gonna have to do more work and we're gonna have to cut people. So the very people that they say they're trying to help, they're hurting because yeah. we're cutting back hours, we're cutting back employment, we're cutting back positions. And I, you know, I, I sat, I had dinner with a good friend of mine about a month ago that owns a chain of restaurants in the city. Um, and he basically said he's looking to go back within two years to the system that I just mentioned, where waitresses and waiters bus and run their own tables and they're going to make more tips and the bus and runner will not exist in his restaurant. And so who is it? Who have they really helped here by doing this? Themselves. And That's the only person they're helping is themselves. Listen, it's, it's good for votes, you know, without, yeah. you, know, they don't, you know, they sit there and they, they act like they're there for the people and they, you know, it's, you know, it's it, to get a quick knee jerk reaction. Yeah. We're going to double your wages, et cetera. Yeah. But what they don't understand is the businesses can't sustain themselves. They just can't. like they need time to catch up. Yeah. couple, couple thoughts come to mind with that is one thing is my nephew gets, so we have local grocery stores here. I live in the suburbs, uh, gets carriages and brings them back into the store and gets paid $12 an hour. Like there is no way that is a $12 an hour job. Mm-hmm. Like there has to be some sort of, I don't want to say like uh, maximum pay, but if you're a 16-year-old kid and your job is to get carriages and bring them back into the store, there's no way you should be getting paid the minimum wage, which is $12 an hour right now. That's an $8 an hour job. I don't care what the minimum wage job is. I agree. And then the second thing is I tell my kids this. Listen, don't you uh, – I'm all for a livable wage, but you shouldn't work in a fast food restaurant and expect to own a house doing that. You know – Listen, everyone should get a living wage and, you know, people should be able to feed their family from it. I, 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 I feel that at the same time, there's got to be some happy medium there where right. the business should be able to survive. And again, the rate of increase should be gradual to, to double it in a three year period is it's unreasonable. It's unmanageable. It's, you know, you're basically, you're, you're, you're going to bankrupt the, and you're, it's, and New York is in a free fall, man. Like New York is in a is in a retail free fall. This was the greatest city in the world, bro. There are empty stores everywhere. What uh, this this Amazon, this loss of Amazon here is the biggest blunder of our lifetime. It's the big. I mean, they were going to bring twenty five thousand jobs to this city. The the governor and the mayor should I mean should hang their heads in shame for screwing this one up. They really should. Yeah, it's a, it's tough. I don't know what's going to change or how it's going to change. But, you know, it's even in even in our state and I get emails a lot from folks out there who are just, you know, people they're either saying they can't afford to pay people what they're paying or they just can't find people. Right. These younger kids don't want to work. They don't want to work for that minimum wage no matter what it is. And even if the minimum wage is 12, the manager wants ten dollars more than whatever that minimum wage is because they don't want to get paid minimum wage. Listen, man, yeah, I get I get asked so often. People ask me, you know, what what got you in the, this industry? And I always have the same answer. And it's a joke, 
but it's kind of not, you know, they say like every joke is kind of seated in reality. Yeah. Every time someone says, what got you in the restaurant industry? I always say stupidity, <laughs> you know, which is a funny joke, but the truth is the amount of work you do in this industry. I mean, I've, I haven't had a 40 hour week in my life, bro. I don't know what the hell that is. I don't know what a 40 hour week is. I have friends that out earn me 50 to one that have vacations and dinner with their family at night and a life and don't have the gray hairs that I have and don't have the tensions that I have. And, you know, you have to, you have to get to such a high level in my industry to get to a certain earning point that, that guys I know who are investment bankers and are, you know, not in the top hundred thousand in the country are out earning us. It's just, you better love what you do because monetarily it doesn't make sense. Yeah, this is a good lesson for anybody out there who's thinking about getting into the restaurant space or pizza oh, yeah. industry who doesn't have that much experience. Like, go work in a place first. Make sure you like it because you're right. It's a lot of work, and it's a lot more work than it looks like from the outside looking in, and you better love it because if you don't love it, you're going to hate it really fast. It's the truth. Like, if you get into this, you know, you better know right off the bat this is a lifetime commitment, and – you better find a girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife that understands, and you better find kids that understand. And it's this is this is a business of broken backs and long hours and girlfriends that leave you and husbands that leave you and you know, I mean, eighty-hour weeks and hundred-hour weeks and working New Year's Eve and working Valentine's Day and phone calls in the middle of the night when the sprinkler head breaks and running over there and calling the fire. I mean, it's yeah. This is this is a no joke deal. So you better love this shit. It's you so true. Because always, if you don't, there are much easier paths. I always say I used to love Christmas and Thanksgiving, not just because they were Christmas and Thanksgiving, but for us, we were closed those two days. So yeah. we knew nothing was going to happen. No phone calls. And if we did get a phone call and the place was burning down, we got insurance. Just let it burn to the ground. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I've, I've made that joke more times than I can remember. <laughs> so we'll, let's end this on a positive note. What do you see coming that you're excited about in the industry? Uh, I want to end this on a positive note. I think the industry is in a really bad place. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm being honest with you, dude. I think it's harder and harder and harder. Restaurant owners, I think it's more discouraging for restaurant owners. I think there's, there's a reason so many guys like me are moving into into models, you know, to fast casual models where it's less labor. And I, I, I think, I, I hope at some point politicians realize that and encourage us more because, you know, we bring so much culture to our community. We bring jobs to our community. You know, we bring, we're an adornment to our community. We're not the enemy. I don't know why they treat us that way. But, you know, on a pizza note, uh, I think the pizza community is flourishing and thriving. I think, you know, there's, you know, more culture in pizza than there ever has been. I think people are more educated about it. I think there's, there's places like mine that are great slice shops and there's great Neapolitan places and there's great, you know, sit down restaurant places and people understand about, you know, you know, uh, you know, fermentation and different cheeses and, you know, people really, you know, want to educate themselves on the process. And it's, you know, when I was growing up, it was all about, you know, I, I did a place that I wanted to emulate plate like slice shops, that I would, you know, dream about at two o'clock when I knew I was getting out of school in an hour and, you know, did I have 50 cents? And that's how old I am. 50 cents in my pocket to go get a slice of pizza. I wanted an amazing New York slice shop, but there's so many different options in pizza now, which is great. So on, on a positive note, I think the pizza culture is growing and flourishing. And I think it's only getting better. 
I think the consumers are smart. I think there's great, uh, there's great options for, for celiacs. I think there's amazing cauliflower pizzas and gluten-free pizzas. I think the options are only getting better and better. So I think the pizza community is flourishing and there's, there, you know, we're only getting bigger and better and, and there are a lot of great opportunities there. And I'm so excited to be a part of it. Are you going to, I agree with you with what you just said a hundred percent. It's never been a, the information age that we live in has never been easier for people to kind of explore what's happening in the pizza world and learn and grow. Um, what are you, are you planning on opening more pizzerias? Yeah, absolutely. Inside New York or are you going to move outside of New York? Well, you should come to Boston. I'd love to, man. Listen, I got family in Malden, uh, Braintree. You know, I have, I got family. I love Boston, man. It's, you know, if I weren't a Yankee fan, I'd really love it. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Yeah, my father grew up in, in Malden. I got a lot of roots out there. My aunt still lives out there. My cousin still lives out there. Uh, Boston's a great town, bro. I'm trying to recruit everybody I talk to on the show that I think can open up in Boston and be successful. I'm trying to recruit up here. I'm going to be out there within within a couple of months. Let's definitely have dinner when I'm out there. Yeah, I'll take you to we'll hit Regina's in the North End. I would love that. I'd love that. I always go to the, uh, the no-name seafood place. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's pretty popular, too. I love that. So where can people go check you out online if they want to say hello to you or reach out to you in any way? On Instagram, I'm the boy from New York City, which is uh, the story of my life. So that's that's me, boy from New York City. My restaurants are Southern Hospitality, which is BBQ NYC. Hunt and Fish Club is HFC NYC. And Made in New York City is just as it sounds, Made in New York City, at Made in New York City. And come see me at any of the restaurants. You can DM me. I love meeting uh, meeting people that come to the places. I, I try to answer everybody. So uh, I love foodies. Hit me up and say hello. Yeah, definitely check them out. And if you missed anything, if you're in the kitchen now or you're working or at the gym, we'll link up all that in the show notes. So if you go to the episode with Aton, just type in that in the uh, over at smartpizzamarketing.com and we'll have all the links to his websites and on social linked up over there. Aton, it was awesome talking to you, man. Thank you so much for joining me. You have, you have a great show there, man. I really like it a lot. Congratulations. Thank you. All right, dude. Thank you so much to Aton for joining me on the show. Awesome episode. Always appreciate these guys joining me on the podcast. They don't have to do it. Uh, and it's very much appreciated on our end, and I know it's appreciated on your end. So, like he said, if you're in the New York City area, go check out Made in New York Pizza. Shoot him a DM. He is uh, the boy from New York City, I believe is his Instagram handle. Shoot him a DM. Tell him you heard him on the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. If you have a question for him, he's always open to answer any of those questions. And if you're driving right now or you're somewhere where you can't go on Instagram or you shouldn't go on Instagram, go over to our website afterwards. We'll link up all that information that we talked about in this podcast on the show notes for that episode. Listen, here's what you gotta do. If you need our help too, we do marketing. Smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip. If you need some marketing help, anything that we talked about in this podcast or previous podcasts when it comes to what's happening now in the marketing world, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook Messenger Marketing, email marketing, website design, SEO, all of that stuff we do for you with our in-house agency. We only work with one restaurant specifically one style of restaurant per zip code though. So if you're a pizzeria, we only work with one pizzeria per zip code. But listen, this is the way to go. The way you market your business in 2019 is through digital media. And I always tell people who ask me, is direct mail dead? No, direct mail is not dead. There is a, still a spot for direct mail and MailShark is a sponsor of this podcast. I definitely think that if you're entering a market or you've been in a market for a long time, Direct mail is definitely a place to go. And MailShark is definitely one of those places you should consider using. But you have to have some sort of digital footprint because if you don't, the younger generation of people is just going to pass you by. And if you listen to all the people who have joined me on the podcast, 
especially the last 10 or 15 episodes, or at least in the last year and a half since we've been doing the podcast, a lot of them have built their businesses on digital media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, email marketing, all of the things that we talked about on the webinars that we do, you can do or we can help you with. So go to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip, see if your zip code is available and if we can help you do that. In the webinars, like I mentioned before the interview started, weekly webinars, or not necessarily weekly, bi-weekly webinars over on Facebook. We're gonna be announcing the dates and times of these webinars over on our Facebook page. So you definitely wanna make sure that you're connected to us there. Probably every other week we'll be doing one sort of specific webinar over on Facebook. Last time we did about what's what's happening or what's working right now for local businesses marketing-wise, the session that I did for Social Media Marketing World 2019. You can go check that out, it's still live over there. And the next one's gonna be, I'm gonna talk about branding. And I'm gonna talk about why branding is important for your business. I truly believe that if you are comfortable with being the person or the face of the brand, that could totally transform your business. Especially if you're a local business that doesn't have so much happening around them. Like if you're not in New York City, if you're a smaller town, if you become the face of your business and use digital advertising or digital marketing as a way to get exposure for yourself and your business, you can dramatically transform how your business is run Maybe not how your business is run because that's something different, but how your business is perceived and the amount of sales that you get from doing that. So that's the next webinar I'm gonna be hosting. If you're interested in that, uh, you can email me, bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com or you can just go over and check out uh, our Facebook page for information on that. And all the recordings are gonna be available, but they're only gonna be available inside of our mastermind group. I get a lot of questions about, Bruce, what the heck is the mastermind group? And here's what it is. Two monthly calls with us, a Facebook group, a website where you get all of our archived webinars, tutorial videos, uh, all the past recordings from those mastermind calls. And we just hop on a call twice a month and we hammer out what's working right now, what you can do in your business. We answer your marketing questions. Other restaurant owners and people in the group answer your questions and help out as well. It's a really great place if you're a hands-on type of operator and wanna figure out what's working right now and then go do it yourself. If you don't wanna hire a company or pay someone to do it. If you really wanna be able to learn yourself and then go implement, it's really a great place for you to do that. It's pretty, pretty cheap. It's super cheap. More, way cheaper than I should have it be. But I wanna keep it inexpensive because I wanna help as many people as we possibly can. So go check out that over at smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind. And uh, we'll teach you how we do everything over here at the agency. All right, guys, again, uh, on Instagram, I am at smartpizzamarketing. On Facebook, same. And if you want to reach out to me directly, you can reach out to me, Bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. And that's all from me. We'll see you guys on the next one.